Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Jerry Hamilton. As usual, we have a special guest today joining us uh, from his home, I believe. Uh, that is Tom Luganville, uh, ESPN's college football, or one of ESPN's college football analysts, well-known to uh, Texas football fans, I believe. Uh, how are you doing today, Tom? I'm doing really good, man. It's good to be on with you guys. Well, we appreciate you guys taking, we appreciate you taking the time. You're a longtime friend of Jerry's. So, Jerry, the first question I reserve for you. Uh, you <laughs> talk to Tom here. Yeah. So, Tom, you, you've been on the sidelines for Texas games. Each of Sark's first mm-hmm. two years. Yeah. Um, kind of what have you taken from those two years? And kind of what are you looking for with Texas this year, year three under Sark? Well, I, I, I felt after seeing them from year one to year two where they, where they really made some strides were some high-profile recruits that panned out early, like Xavier Worthy being a dude early. Like, they they needed that. They needed a, a downfield-type guy. Um, and so I think that they got off on the right foot in, in that regard. I still believe, though, and I think Sark would tell you this because they know what they're getting into with the SEC. And now those types of inroads need to start happening up front on both sides of the football in relationship to the – those difference makers that we see as a common denominator, right, amongst the teams that are either winning a college football playoff game or winning the national championship. And then, you know, and I I would say the same thing for the offensive line because I think this offensive line is a group, maybe the most talented they've had in quite some time. And, you know, a lot of you guys probably know this, but I I, I pulled this out of of my hat uh, a year ago, two years ago. Did you guys know? that it's been over 22 years since Texas has had a first-round draft choice in the offensive line. Wild. I Elton, mean, that, Elton Banks will probably stop it, but that's crazy to right. think about, Tom. That's crazy to think about. It's crazy. I mean, you just sit, you scratch your head and you go, what? How, how can that be? But I think, again, I think some of those young players that they got in that position that have come in, contributed early, may end up putting putting a stop to that. And so, um, I listen, I, I think the, the biggest challenge, whether it was – whoever the coach is at, at, at Texas. And I don't know, I can't put my finger on why this has, has been a problem, but for whatever reason, this team has struggled to handle success or praise or adulation. You know, they, they kind of get on a streak. They start playing well. Like I remember I had the Texas tech game his first year, they throttled Texas tech at home. Then they go to TCU. They get after TCU and all of a sudden, they look like they they might be on a run. They might look like this thing's going to flip. And and so what happens? Positive press. They're talking about you on TV, the whole nine yards. And then they, for whatever reason, can't they struggle to handle that? And I, um, and it was the same way under Tom Herman, you know. And and I I don't know what the answer is, but if that's something that this team can get over then I think it's going to be a really significant hurdle. Not too, dis, not too dissimilar from that getting over the whole Clemsoning thing for Dabo Sweeney, right? Like now Clemsoning means kicking everybody's ass before it meant, you know, falling on your face and laying an egg on the 50-yard line uh, on the back half of just about every season. So they can pull that off and, and somehow get that mindset flipped. It's going to really help them. I, I've got a question for you because I, I agree with your, your take on why or that, that 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 has happened. They haven't handled success well, right? Yeah. Um, the thing that I think is different about this year, and Jerry and I have talked about this, Tom, is 
at some level, there's got to be some talent in the bank to back everything up. Yeah. Um, and what Texas has right now, we, we think eight to 10 potential draft picks coming off this, that would be a, that would be a record for Texas in the last decade for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, my take on it is the defense improved a year ago. Uh, it was, to your point, just brutal in the second half of the first season for Steve. Oh, Frank. man. Yeah. I mean, they rough. just got run. I mean, you had them a couple of games. I know they just yeah. got run over. Um, and they, they bowed up a little bit. Now they lost some guys too, DeMarvin Overshone, Keandre Coburn, uh, Moro mm-hmm. Jomo, but they have some other guys coming back. And so I feel like it, it could be an interesting year. The one that I would put out there for you that's got us really excited is not only Quinn Ewers, who I want you to talk about because you've got some firsthand experience there, mm-hmm. but also this receiver group Texas has in place. You mentioned Xavier Worthy. They also yeah. have A.D. Mitchell. Uh, From Georgia, Jordan yeah. Whittington's back. They've got some guys. What are your thoughts on, on Sark's offense as a whole? And then tell us a little bit about uh, Quinn Ewers, too, and what your thoughts are there. Yeah, so my, my thoughts on the offense is that it is diverse. Uh, they're going to throw a lot of eye candy at you. Um, they want to formation you, and they want to motion you, and, and personnel group you uh, to, to try and create, you know, advantageous matchups. How do I get our best guy on your weakest defender and and in various ways of doing that, we, we we saw it, you know, for those who may not be as familiar, you know, his concept of offense was born from Norm Chow. It's the old Lavelle Edwards, BYU, somewhat of a West Coast flavor. Um, that's where Andy Reid's uh, roots were coming from, too, Mike Holmgren. And so then all of a sudden it starts to morph, I think. And he's evolved. I think he's done a really good job of advancing what was already a tried and true scheme, already a tried and true scheme. And so now I think it's about getting difference makers. And this is going to happen over time. It may happen through the transfer portal, but I I think he would like for it to happen at the high school rank. So you establish some more depth. But now the goal, I think, is when you when you look at the offenses he coached at Alabama, if you got into a scenario where a guy goes down, all right, and the next guy's stepping in, there's no drop-off, right? And then next thing you know, you get three or four or five of those guys on the field at the same time, and now you, you look at the defense and you say, what do you do? Like, how are you going to handle our – when we can mismatch you with every player across the board? And I think that's where I see a little bit more well-roundedness with, with this group is they're going to line up, and we didn't even talk to Davian Sanders either, so they have athletically on the field at the same time with one of the strongest offensive lines and allow them to really scheme people up. And listen, I'm, I'm a players over plays guy, right? And, and I think that, you know, most really, really good coaches will, will, will tell you that. But you get really good players and you, you do the things that they do scheme-wise. You look at those – it was the same with Lane, and he and Lane are, you know, cut from the same cloth – you look at those Alabama offenses, and when they had the personnel, I'm you couldn't you couldn't hold up, you couldn't hang with them. I mean, you just couldn't do it. And so, you know, from an offensive perspective, uh, I, I like how how they've evolved. And I know, listen, I I was of the belief, and I and Jerry, you know this in recruiting. I would rarely say this about a running back because I think obviously there's a lot of running backs out there, a lot of very good running backs, and we know we all know that we talk about the de- devaluation of the position. But I thought pound for pound. You could make a real argument that Bijan Robinson was the best overall football player in college football last year. I thought he was that he was that good. 
Okay, so he's gone. Then you get the the Swiss Army knife and Roshan Johnson. Gosh, I remember him coming into the Under Armour game as a quarterback. Remember that? And so, like, and that guy, I think I don't think anybody truly realized how valuable he is, right? So now you're going to get a lot younger and a lot less experienced. But again, let's transition then to the conversation of of Quinn Ewers because this is why Quinn Ewers has to elevate. He has to elevate here, and you know, I we gloss over. It's easy to gloss over the fact that. Prior to starting last year, that dude hadn't played organized football in two years. Two years. Two years. He yeah. did not attempt to pass at Ohio State, all right? So he wasn't competing on the field. And we oftentimes, because somebody's highly talented and, and, and they're talented, which he certainly is, we have an expectation that is un, unrealistic. And I thought, and, and this is just me, I don't want this to come off wrong, but I don't know if last year, I don't know if going into it, during it, preparing for it, I'm not convinced that Quinn Ewers really, truly knew how to be a pro. Really, truly knew how to take on the role of the CEO of the locker room, of the football team, the first guy in the building, the last guy out. I'm not saying he wasn't working hard and things of that nature, but, like, you look at now. You hear Sark talk about his work habits and his weight room habits and his diet. Something as simple as cutting his hair. So now instead of that being an attraction or a distraction – He's viewed differently, right? So now he changes the perception of how people look at him. I think these things all matter. I, I, I think they, they matter a lot. And he seems to have kind of taken it upon himself to say, if I'm going to be as good as my ability should allow me to be, I'm going to have to change how I approach this thing. Correct. And, 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 and I was listening to Sark and some of his opening comments. I wanted a little over a week ago. And he really hit on some of those things. And I think they are, they are so true. And, I mentioned something to you guys when we, when just before we came on, you know, Quinn has this air about him, almost like a surfer dude, right? Like he's just kind of going with the flow. Nothing bothers him. He's like this all the time. And where things are, when things are going great, it's perfect. There's a Joe Montiel, Montana feel to it and the whole nine yards. But with his facial expressions and his body language, when things aren't going good, it's not a good look. I'm not going to say it's a Jay Cutler look, but but you, I think you know what I'm talking about. And I, and I, I, I fully expect he's not going to change his personality. He is what he is. But I think he's more aware of that stuff. I don't think he was aware of it last year. And I think the growth between year one and year two on things that have nothing to do with physical attributes are where we should see the greatest improvement from him. Hey, Tom, Tom, Tom. Oh, go ahead, Bobby. Go ahead. No, I was going to say one thing I would tell you from watching the first three practices, Tom, uh, Quinn seems a little quicker this year mm-hmm. based on He's some in better shape. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Just a tad quicker. That'll help him mentally face some, some more adversity too, I think. And, and yeah. all of that, the mental game, et cetera, I just, I couldn't agree more with you. Jerry, go ahead. Yeah. I want to talk to you, Tom, because you hit on something that we've hit on. You said he hadn't really played in two years. Yeah. And I had a college offensive coordinator say, it's so undervalued how much skipping your senior year as a high school quarterback when you're Uh-oh. the leader of the South Lake Carroll community, you're looked upon as the best player in the state, uh, yeah. leading this team who's ranked picked to play for a state title or compete for a state title. Missing that year of leadership and then going off and being kind of tossed away for a year. Then coming into Texas, 
and being in a quarterback competition, which I think everybody thought he'd win, right? Because Sark yeah. on the plane to go recruit him. But he missed a lot of leadership time. And not playing for two years, like you said, essentially, he's thrown into a leadership position. Talk about – you play quarterback mm-hmm. at, at the Power 5 level. Talk about how difficult that can be on a guy making that sort of transition because it's not normal. No, it's not normal. I think it's extremely difficult. I can pe- uh, speak to personal experience. When I transferred to Georgia Tech, they had a returning starter from the year before. Yeah. And so it, it wasn't just about competitiveness or leadership. It was having to try to win guys over. And I'll tell you right now, it did not go well. Um, certainly didn't go as I had hoped or planned. Um, and, and that's a little bit of a, a unique situation and not exactly like his. But I think there a part of his personality is maybe innately more on the quiet side, more on the right. reserve side than he is outgoing and interest and, and vocal. And that's fine. There's different ways of doing it. Um, but when you are coming to a scenario like that and, you know, you have this hype and you have all this expectation and everybody's, you know, constantly just hounding everything about your life because of the expectation and that's hard for anybody let alone somebody that's a teenager that's been removed from the game and i think not having no okay you might be in a locker room at ohio state okay but you don't have a role right you're 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 not it's you're you're what are you like uh, am i just a little piece of the puzzle here and i'm gonna have to wait this thing out and see what happens that's an entirely different approach and environment than going to into a scenario where the expectation is to be the guy and be as good if not better than anticipated oh by the way let's do it right away yeah. we, we we need this to happen that. <laughs> right now yeah there's that and, and that's the thing too I, I people do not give enough credence to how steep the learning curve is i don't care how talented you are if it was easy we'd have 30 true freshman quarterbacks coming out of high school every year and they'd be starting at the power five level well, guess what? There are, there are very few Trevor Lawrence's. There are very few Caleb Williams. There are very they're, – they're, they're not standing on every street corner. So he probably, I would imagine, particularly when it comes to the theory of the game, the X's and O's and understanding all this and that, I bet he learned more football in the last two years than maybe he had the previous, you know, 16 right. or 17. Um because it is the collegiate level it is greater and more responsibility than high school you are going to do more and then you haven't played for two years so i mean it was a that had to have been like a mad rush of cramming just to be proficient enough to not fail i speaking with tom lugabill espn college football analyst we appreciate him being on with us here uh on texas football i'm bobby burton alongside jerry hamilton tom uh you know you uh you get a chance to watch a lot of teams uh, across the country, uh, who are some of the teams that you think uh, are going to be competitive, not only nationally, but also give us a little taste of what you're thinking in the Big 12 this year as well? Yeah, you know, listen, I, it's the usual suspects with the teams that have, as I referenced before, common denominators, right? Alabama's personnel up front on both sides, Georgia's personnel up front on both sides, LSU, um, and I, and you know, Ohio State. So I think Ohio State defensively is going to be really, really good. All of those guys that had to play two years ago as true freshmen that probably should not have been playing are all now true juniors and have played and started a ton of games. Um, I think they're going to be able to really rush the passer. Uh, Michigan's up there, of course, but I see. I think there's teams like I think Utah's still going to be a real problem. I know that you know the Pac four now has crumbled to the ground, <laughs> but. But you could make an argument, and I truly believe this, 
And I said this on Pac-12 radio last week on SiriusXM. I think there are four teams in that conference because of the quarterback play that could make the college football playoff. Oregon, Washington, SC, and Utah. But I'm not convinced any one of those four could win a playoff game. Except for maybe Utah because of how they're built. Again, they're built from the inside out, tough, rugged, beat you up at the point of attack. So I I think that that conference, unfortunately, we're we're all overlooking all of the football side of it because of what's happening to to the conference. So then you look at, at, at the Big 12, Guys, I still think TCU is going to be pretty good. And I thought they did a really good job in the transfer portal. Um, and I think they got a taste of it now. Um, a little hungry, a little embarrassed. I think that can help you help you some too. Uh, Will Howard's coming back at Kansas State. I'm going to be uh, interested to see how they replace some of their pieces of the puzzle. You know, they went to the transfer portal at running back. I thought it was a really nice pickup with Trayshawn War at running back. And they've got a freshman, a couple guys, Jordan Allen, defensive end that's coming in. They could play for them, I think, right away, and, and they're going to have a need there too. Um, I think there's a lot of competitive balance top to bottom. What we'll probably see from the newbies is that transition period of, of roster accumulation, right? Which it, And I always, I, I always pull this, this stat out. when I always get people tell me, you know, because I'm not, I'm not a huge advocate of, of you know, having something that says we have to have a group of five team in the college football playoff, or we have to have a group of five team in the new year's six and they're, oh, well, they deserve it. They're 12 and oh yeah. But if they played in the big 12, or they played in the big 10, they'd be eight and four. We wouldn't be having the conversation. And people say, well, you don't know that. And I'm like, eh, actually I do. If you look at TCU in Utah, their last three years at the group of five level, they were a combined 33 and six and 36 and three. Both teams were under 500 their first two years at the power five level. Not necessarily as a, a, a being devoid of talent. It's the depth of talent. It's it's what you have to have to be in that battle of attrition. And I think that takes a, a, a little bit. Houston, I think, in the future could be a problem. Because that's a game, that's a program that they don't want to. Not a single person on that staff has to get on an airplane to go recruit. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. UCF, obviously, the Florida market, they're going to have access to athletes. Cincinnati, BYU is a global brand. But again, BYU is interesting because they've played so many Power Five teams during their independence that, yes, they were considered group of five, but they were just their schedules getting loaded up. They're a little more accustomed to it. Um, I know everybody's excited about Texas Tech. I need to see Tyler Shuck stay healthy before I jump on that bandwagon. I, I, I love the offense. I love Zach Kitley. I think he's really good. Defensively, they're going to be improved, but the quarterback's got to prove he can be healthy. And this is two years in a row this has happened um, with him, but I think there's some bright moments coming um, in in Lubbock. And then, you know, top to bottom, I don't know what to make of Oklahoma State. That that was just unfortunately an, uh, a disastrous offseason um, for, for the Cowboys for a program and with sustainability like they've had over the last 20 years. Was, was disappointing to see that this offseason. So, um, and, and and I'll say this, you're going to laugh when I tell you this. If that quarterback at Kansas stays healthy, you better f- watch out for the Lance Leipolds. The fighting Lance Leipolds, man, they'll get somebody. You watch, they'll get somebody. Yeah, the, the we love the Kansas quarterback. Yeah. Jerry and I both. Yeah. Jalen, Jalen about Daniels. About yeah. He is a yeah. dude, man. <laughs> yeah. He just, he has a little something to him, right? And, yeah, and he puts totally. some good skill people around him. 
uh, as well. Uh, speaking with uh, Tom Luganbill of ESPN, college football analyst. Jerry, you have a, a final question here for Tom before we yeah, close it up? Yeah, let's hit on something recruiting-wise, Tom, because obviously yeah. for those that don't know, we worked together for about a decade, Under Armour game, all that, yeah. um, camps. Texas moving to the SEC. Sark built this staff for that when he was hired, right? right. I mean, you look at uh, Bo Davis – Terry Joseph to Shard Choice's second running back hire, though. Yeah. Chris Jackson, obviously. There's a lot of guys, uh, Jeff Banks, but Steve Kyle Flood at Bama, right? So there's a they, yeah. this staff was built to compete in the SEC. Winning recruiting battles in the SEC is a totally different thing. Um, yeah. What what do you kind of see from Texas from from recruiting standpoint moving forward? Where do you think that? Where do you think their strengths are, and can you point to a couple areas? Okay, they're going to have to prove it. Well, I, I think their strengths are the resources that they're going to have uh, at their disposal. I think that's really, really important, especially now since it's the wild, wild west out there, and not all programs are created equal, right? And there's going to be money involved, and I think that helps if you have resources that other programs don't have, which a Texas does. Um, you're you're positioning yourself, I think, pretty well. The the one if. And I think this number is still correct, Jerry. You'd have to correct me if it's not. But I think on average, it's still what about 375 players in the state of Texas each yeah. year will sign an, an FBS letter of intent, yeah. somewhere around that number. Yeah. So the the question is, if there's in that particular state, if there's a defensive lineman that is a Miles Garrett, okay, or who you know, name your name your guy, um, does do they keep him at home? Like, like, do, do do they not only prevent him from going to Texas A&M, but how do you how do you keep Oklahoma away? How do you keep LSU away? How do you keep Alabama away? Because we all know that there's a very concentrated portion of this country where a vast majority of the elite players in the defensive front reside, and it's right in the SEC and the in the ACC footprint. It just is, which means if you're Texas and you're capable of doing it. You might be spending some time in Georgia and you might be spending some time in, in Florida and you might be spending some time in Louisiana and Alabama for that particular position. The difference, because I, I saw Oklahoma twice last year too. And just right now, right now, there is a vastly different roster profile. Texas is way ahead of where Oklahoma is talent wise. And I think, you know, Brent Venables, as you mentioned with Texas and that staff, they know what they're getting into. They've lived it. They've done it. They, you know, whether they're at Alabama, what have you. Well, Brent does too, because when you look at that tenure during Clemson, they're they're recruiting that footprint. Right. They're getting that caliber of player. He knows what he has to have too, and he and he knows he doesn't have it right now at, at Oklahoma. They're going to have, I think, a few more difficulty because they're going to be forced to go into everybody else's backyard to get those types of players. I don't. They don't have a, a choice, and so. Um, can they do that? Can they find a way like an Ohio State would do and, and get the Bosa brothers out of Florida and get a Von Bell out of Georgia, right? And, and you know, the, get a, uh, uh, you know, Justin Fields. I, could, could you do that? Can you go get a C.J. Stroud out of California? Oklahoma's going to have to prove that, I think, a little more so than Texas is going to have to. It's interesting. Um, Tom Luganbill, ESPN college football analyst. Uh, we appreciate your time, Tom, really do. Uh, best of luck, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in Austin at least once this year uh, and uh, taking in a game or two, huh? I hope so. Hey, guys, I appreciate you having me, and, and hopefully here in the next couple of days we'll stop talking about 
real alignment and start talking about actual games being exactly. played. Exactly. <laughs> hey, I like that Evan Root hat. That's a good old beat up. You Evan like Root. that? Well, yeah, I'm, about like to, I'm about to go. I'm about to go get on my boat here in about a half an hour. So <laughs> I, I was right. Hey, you have fun, Tom. Have a good one. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Tom. See you guys.